Happy Halloween. It's an absurd holiday. Oh, yes. Putting on costumes and striking fear. Quite absurd. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network. That has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects we all love to frolic about in our free time. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generator running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanbc. Now, thank you for listening to episode 124, Moon of the Wolf. That's right. It's the kickoff to now the third annual Spooky Month celebration here on the Batman Book Club. And joining me, he's no stranger. When I think of of spooky season and horror, I think of this guy. He's the biggest fan of the genre. He's been here two years before. He's been here a lot um, over over a while, he is the uh, proud papa of one Ryan Powers. He is the the host of the Batman on Film podcast, and he's basically a fantasy football uh, phantom. It's one Garrett Grev. Garrett, welcome back to the Batman Book Club. Ooh, <laughs> it's spooky Garrett season. See? Terrifying, absolutely terrifying. That's what I'm known for. People are like that dude's intense. He likes the. Yeah. The creepiest, scariest, weirdest, goriest horror. That's yeah. just how that dude gets down. How does this guy have uh, five children? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Don't with, understand, a, with an but... incredible age range. You know, that guy yeah. was, he was active. <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he was uh, an adventurous youth, apparently. Uh, no, of course, I am <laughs> I am not those things. I am the guy that comes on, um, and you were a gentleman for selecting this or, or suggesting it for me. When I come on, to talk mm-hmm. Halloween episodes or, or issues for episodes of the podcast, I get something like Spooky Gotham or Little Gotham, the yeah, Halloween. Little Gotham. Uh, yeah, Little Gotham, the Halloween issue. Why? Because I'm a big baby. <laughs> I, I don't I don't like all this scary stuff. I hear you guys, you know, you like your horror and Nico Caruso likes his weirdo A24 or whatever studio, the RT yeah. kids are oh, yeah. into style horror stuff. And I'm just like, I, I like Scream. That's a yeah, fun yeah. one for me. Um, the first couple I've watched the show, I heard there's a show, I know what you did last summers. Uh, and then like the nightmare before Christmas, you know, that's, that's my, or Charlie Brown, give me the Garfield (laughs) animated specials. Give me the Charlie Brown animated special, you know, give me, um, give me the family fair. And then maybe a couple nineties teams, teen slashers that aren't, it's not like the body mutilation stuff. Yeah. You know, you know me, we've gotten into it. Um, but I do, I do like quite a bit the subject of the comic we're talking about today. I've always been a fan of this particular spooky Halloweeny type monster. Yeah. 
this, I mean, I'm glad that uh, you've, you agreed to come back. I don't think you hesitated when I said, would you still like to be involved in the spooky month? And you're like, absolutely. Oh my so gosh. That I got to get, get my numbers up. There are people yeah. that are starting to like come close to lap. Of course, Peter's way out in front. Right. But I've always considered myself as like, I'm the number two. Pete. Right. I think you are. But if you're behind Pete, I mean, that's like being number one for all intents and purposes. Sure. Like that guy's got a monthly co-host. Gig, basically, basically a co-host. But yeah, right. So, so then really the number one guest is me and I got to mm-hmm. maintain that spot. It's really funny because um, last time you were on the show, you had to follow up Lieber Mayo. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it's almost like it can't, can't be a bigger challenge than that, right? Uh, yeah, you're following Peter Arvera. Sure. Um, the the basic co-host, the associate producer of the Batman Book Club, right? Peter Arvera. Right. So, um, no pressure it's, here. I'm a competitive guy. I take challenges and I run with them. It's just <laughs> kind of what I do. So that's fine. It's yes. like, yeah, Lieber Mayho, uh, dad on Twitter that talks about Batman and football a lot. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's about the same thing. Yeah, brings it. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad that the story that we have here is fitting for such a, a grand challenge. So let's let's not wait any further. Let's let's dive into Moon of the Wolf. Now this story was actually featured in a hundred-page spectacular in Batman issue number two hundred fifty-five. It was written by the great Len Wein. Uh, illustrated by the incomparable Neil Adams, RIP, uh, released in 1974. Of course, the issue was released uh, physically. I envy you if you have that physical issue. Oh, right boy. Uh, it's available digitally. It's in some, like, it pops up in a variety of collected editions. Uh, it's uh, on DC Universe Infinite. And those collected editions, of course, are, are all available on my favorite app of all time, Hoopla. Garrett, for this episode, which version did you read? Uh, it, 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 I was on the infinite, as you like to say, DC universe, infinite. Um, you know, I, (laughs) I don't, I don't get into the app maybe as much as I thought I would. And that's probably a little bit reflective of me just reading stuff that I own physically. Like, yeah, I've got some time going to the trades. So it was actually um, a welcome. I felt like I was maybe getting a little bit of my money's worth by saying, oh, good. I I have to find this one. I am forced to go infinite. Yeah, DCUI. Uh, yeah. So it was nice to be able to to jump in there and find it and spend some time with the book. And then I just kind of kept going on the, that 100 page spectacular and read some of the reprint stories. Yeah, it was fun. It's great. It's it's a useful app. I need to make sure to carve out more time to utilize it. Is what I mean to say. Yeah, uh, I actually am unfamiliar with the other stories <clears throat> included in that. Um, oh, the first Batman. Thomas Wayne Batman, first Thomas Wayne Batman. That's what's that? That's, reprinted so, from? so, um, gosh, hang on. I think, let me, let me think. But the story is, uh, Batman and Robin are looking at Thomas Wayne's desk and a secret compartment or something pops out. And in it is like in, uh, like a retro Batman costume. And they're like, what the heck is this? And it turns yeah. out Thomas Wayne wore this costume to a it's not a halloween ball because i thought maybe we could just do a twofer on this it's just a masquerade ball and he dressed up as a bat and bruce is like oh as a young boy i've unlocked this memory i was fascinated by it or whatever and um yeah it's 
he was kidnapped from then this masquerade ball and a criminal tried to force him to to help him out with a gunshot wound. Like there's a lot of stuff that you see in more modern comics, you know, from from, um, uh, you know, Thomas Wayne, Batman and Flashpoint and and then the long Halloween. Like it's there's there's stuff in there. So if you get a chance, you get a little time on your hands, go back and revisit it. It's definitely, you know, a Silver Age Batman story. Uh, but it is it's there's there's modern stuff where you can see writers pick that one apart and got some goods out of it. See, and I remember that one. Like you saying the first Batman and the Thomas Wayne and stuff in uh, Lou Moxon um, being, you know, being in that that story. And it, it says it just looked really quick online. And it's, uh, I think, Detective Comics 235. There it is. Uh, but is really explored. Man, I forget. I, I didn't buy this book, and now it's kind of expensive. Uh, Wayne of Gotham. It's kind of expensive to to find in places right now, and that almost that teeters back and forth between pre- past and present. And the past really talks about this issue, basically. And Thomas Wayne um, wearing that and Lou Moxon and all that stuff. So that part, that story seems really familiar. I just don't Joey know Chill, it. as they call him. Oh, Joey. Joey. Oh, Joey. And ne'er do well, hired assassin, not necessarily a mugger, but yeah, that was a, that, that's included. Sorry so, for my tangent there. No, uh, we're not talking moon of the whole. <laughs> but I tell you what, listeners, if you get a chance, if yeah. it, it seems like kind of a silly little Silver Age story, and you know, to the modern audience, a lot of times we can kind of poo-poo the Silver Age stories because yeah. they were goofy and what if and silly Earth whatever number. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff that shows up later. It's kind of fun to go back and see where some of that inspiration came from. So if you've got the app or you got the hoopla. There you go. Yeah. DC Universe Infinite. You can read the whole gamut. But as for me, um, I did a compare and contrast. So I actually read my Batman Illustrated by Neil Adams, uh, volume three, which is a, a lovely book that in hardcover, um, I think our own Peter Vera has, he has all three of these. And I think they're signed by Neil Adams himself. Um, yeah. He's met Neil at some, okay, he had met, you know, the late great Neil at a few conventions. So I think that sounds about right. I know he's got some signed merch from him. Yeah. So this is uh, obviously included in that volume three. And then also I looked over because I'm like, wait, Len Wein. And I have the tales of the Batman Len Wein uh, over 600 pages. This is, wow. this is how, this is what I use to work out. That's girthy. Biceps. Um, right. Yes. And yeah, it's included. It's one of the first stories uh, included in this as well. Um, so yeah, those are the two, the two versions I grabbed for this episode now garrett do you happen to remember when the first time was that you read moon of the wolf oh i want to say it was later i think i read it in i think it was at college actually um the luther college go to cora iowa library had uh quite a bit of of comic books that you could you could check out nice. and read like yeah it was represent it was cool yeah and of course, like I'm looking for Batman anything, and I had never read the issue. I was aware of it, mm-hmm. um, but didn't it, at that time. You know, there's no online apps, and uh, you know, online shopping was different. This would have been the mid 2000s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, and I was aware of it because of the Batman the Animated Series episode, uh, but I had never actually read the physical copy. So I got it, read it, 
said, wow, this is fantastic. And, you know, Neil Adams, I, I had read a number of Neil Adams artwork, but like the thing that comes back to me every single time is just how modern for like Neil changed comic book art in a way that still felt today, where if you showed this comic book to somebody that was sort of just mm -hmm. generally aware of comics and asked them what year they thought it was from besides some things that are a little bit time specific that you could pick yeah. out like this art feels so like fresh and modern still like I couldn't tell you if this was 10 years old or 50 years old just by looking at it but mm -hmm. this the time I probably 20 years ago nice uh, mine was I received this actually as a, a birthday present so I think this was the, sorry, the Neil Adams or Batman Illustrated by Neil Adams, Volume Three, uh, as a birthday present. Let's see, this one was I think it was two thousand. This is two thousand five. So it was like two thousand six or seven. I feel like maybe two thousand seven. And surprisingly, because for reasons that you just said, of a lack of, as I've said so many times here, a lack of comic availability growing up. Um, at that point, I was starting to see comics, but I mean, obviously Moon of the Wolf, even in 2007, you can't get your hands on a Moon of the Wolf at no. that point. No. So when I got this, I blasted through this volume. And I think that's when I read Moon of the Wolf, in which that also was like, wait, hold on. Was this one based on the the cartoon? Yeah. You know, because I was young and foolish at that point. And I was like, wait, no, dummy. This looks like it was uh, it was 70s. So my first time reading probably was like 2007, which is kind of mind blowing to me that I didn't catch on to this story until so late, you know, 30 plus years later. Well, and I, and I wish I could remember what collected edition it was in because it wasn't, you know, it was before either of the collected editions that you have in your hands that the uh, yeah. listeners can't see. Um, but it was something like Batman through the seventies or it was something a little bit more focused. They had little editions oh, yeah, okay. that were kind of decade specific. I remember and, that. Yeah. Yep. yep. It was in it. that one. Excellent. That was probably like my favorite kind of paper that stuff's printed on too. So oh yeah. The old time feel and library <sighs> smell and paper. Yeah. Mm. Real Still waiting tactile. on that Yankee candle. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, you can hear the pages rubbed together. None of this slick, <laughs> glossy sliding. Yeah. It was like the friction. <laughs> if you turn the pages too fast, you could start a fire. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it's a brilliant idea. I'm waiting for it. Um, and then lastly, Garrett, why Moon of the Wolf? Uh, Moon of the Wolf, because we were talking about Halloween uh, issues and things that have Halloween related topics in it. And I am, I'm a big werewolf fan. Like of all yeah. the monsters, the werewolves as a kid was my favorite. I loved, you know, we would go to the library and get old school, like universal monster movies and on VHS and like check them out and watch them around the hol Halloween season. Um, and Lon Chaney, I think Lon Chaney, I can't remember in Wolfman. Mm -hmm. um, like that was, that was a favorite, but what really, really made me a werewolf fan was Michael J. Fox in 1985. <laughs> like I was a teen wolf super fan. And I found it like later, right? Like I didn't yeah. see this thing when it came out, but as like an eight, nine, 10 year old Teen Wolf was one of my frequently played, you know, movies on VHS. I even, I think sure. it, it might've been first grade, could have been second grade. Um, I, I was Teen Wolf for Halloween <laughs> made out nice. of a former Ewok costume and Ooh, then a bas yellow, yellow basketball outfit with a uh, werewolf makeup kit that my mom helped apply 
and I was Teen Wolf, and I dribbled my basketball down the elementary school hall to the big gym where we did show off little, you know, do the march, and the parents are in the stands watching. But I've always enjoyed Werewolf. I, Jack Nicholson's Wolf is a movie I enjoy that apparently a lot of people don't. I like werewolves. I think they're fun. So this was kind of yeah. Batman and werewolves. Count me in. Yeah. Um, wow. Garrett, I, I think that you and I need to have a marathon of werewolf movies now. That would be great. There's a, there's a lot. There's a bunch um, that popped to mind. Do you remember the teened version of, of an American werewolf in Paris? In the nineties sure. with old yes. Tom Everett Scott, Tom Everett Scott, Tom Everett Scott, uh, of that thing you do fame. Yes. Uh, he is so, by he, the own eaters, the own eaters. <laughs> he is also, um, he is also a fantasy football enthusiast. Is he really? Yeah. No joke. So I, I don't Why know isn't if he doing these shows with us. I don't know. I should reach out all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. I should reach out and see, and see if he wants to, uh, collab. As the yeah, kids say, collab. Uh, also, that thing you do also to me put Steve Zahn on the map. Steve Zahn, and Minnesota Treasure. Fantastic. Is it? Yeah. Okay, hold on a second. It's all connected to you. Uh huh. I'm, uh-huh. I'm discovering this. Of everything is connected to Garrett. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it all goes back to Mr. Minnesota Nice Garrett. It sure yeah. does. Wow. Yeah, he, Steve Zahn. You're the monster of the midway. Get out of here with that, Chicago Bears. Steve like, Zahn, Minnesota Treasure, also a uh, beloved star of Saving Silverman. So, yeah. you know, and 8-Bit Christmas. Yeah, God, what, two totally opposite performances. And he nailed them both. Right. Yeah, he's he's a versatile You're man. And what's, my friend. <laughs> what's the uh, Jeepers Creepers? Is he in that one? He is not. He, no, Justin what's the Long truck was. driver one? Oh, Joyride. Joy oh, that movie that is good. That's a good yeah. one. I like I liked that one. Man, welcome a... to the everything but a Batman comic book, <laughs> ba- Batman book club. Hey, bad. It's like 20 pages. <laughs> you gotta fill out the episode, right? You know. <laughs> we were here, we were thinking like oh, this would probably be a shorter podcast, and we'll be like hour three. And be like, so hey, let's let's start talking about Moon of the Wolf. <laughs> but werewolves, <laughs> I mean, they're everywhere. Uh it it pops up and everything. I Twilight. To get us back on track, Twilight, Robert Pattinson, the Batman. Oh, oh it's, all it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> um, man. Okay, so Moon of the Wolf. Let's talk about this. Yes, this let's issue. do it. <clears throat> because I think it is a. I mean, I, there's going to be blending of the animated episode with the book conversation. I just, sure. I just go back and forth a lot, and I feel like for some reason, there is there's almost like an equal parts respectability of the story and then equal parts like, Oh boy, this is a little jump in the shark sort of deal. Sure. And I always just took it as this is a Batman story in the universal monster age. And it, it doesn't do anything too wild other than like, it's a freaking werewolf. Why not? Right. Um, bringing back in which, I don't remember them very well. Bring him back. Good old Professor Milo, um, which it's it's said in here, which can you imagine like those those days now in 1974 that you see this. This this guy and then it, even it alludes into it of Professor Milo. Yeah, he's appeared in Detective 247 and Batman 112 in 1957, 14, no, 17 years ago. He was in these two comics and you're like, I'll never be able to read those. How will I ever right. get my hands on those to, to read those and now we're very fortunate that we can go back and look at those but uh what's scarier to you uh, a werewolf or professor milo's haircut 
Oh, Milo's haircut, man. Can yeah. you imagine? Like, yeah, it's definitely. just the straight up undercut with the bowl top. Remember, mm-hmm. like, in the 90s, kids were doing the undercut thing, and then it was just kind of parted down in the middle, like some curtains. And then you got, did you have one of those? I was going to say, I need to find a picture and show you, my friend. Oh, yeah, boy. I, yeah, and I, I used to one. think, I thought it was a bowl, like a, an animal, B-U-L-L. Oh, no. For the no. longest time. And, and I might have even misspelled that once in texting in our group. And you guys were like, uh. uh Never mind. B-O-W-L, my man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes more uh, sense. It is bad because it's just straight across. It's like Lloyd Christmas, but like <laughs> yeah. way worse. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Good old Professor Milo. I mean, he is for for fans of Batman. Give give them credit. The creator um, of that look. I mean, like I said, it was Detective Comics uh, two forty seven. And which, if you hang on for just a moment, I can figure out who illustrated that. But coming up with the design, you created a character that everybody knows. Right. <laughs> Sheldon Moldoff. Gee, you heard of him? Um, and written by Bill Finger. So there you go. <laughs> of course. Bill. Um, of course a character Bill. that will live on forever. Instant recognizability. Also because I think maybe even more so because of the animated series. Oh, because they, yeah. Copy a couple paste. appearances. Mm-hmm. Right. They brought it so right over. God awful haircut because there's no way that you can have him and not do that haircut. But the story is actually, I mean, it's kind of simple in its sense of, I mean, and it, and it kicks off right away of, you know, a werewolf climbs the side of a building, attacks a woman um, who sticks her dog on him and RIP that, that dog, Ralph right? gets next snapped right away. But Batman sees this. He intervenes. Wolf takes off. Batman saves the woman or he throws the woman out the window. Batman saves her. Wolf takes off. And then we hear about who this guy is. He's a, he's an Olympian. Well, Anthony at first, Lupus. Batman presumes this is just a like a robber wearing a mask, right? Yes. Yeah, like exactly. He, it's not on Batman's radar that he just fought a werewolf. He just thinks it's like, oh, man, that was a uh, that was a very tough, uh, you know, breaking and entering type fella with a mask on. Yeah, we so know. Then, oh, we I mean, the story is called Moon of the Wolf Story. Yeah, we know. Which it's then also great because he. The next scene, he's in Gordon's uh, Gordon's office. And then it's just like he just has this like basically this view of what if our wolf like prowler is not wearing a mask? Yes. With the full moon (laughs) shining in through the window. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And and then we get like we get a bit of a backstory here of this is an Olympian, um, Anthony Lupus, who went to Professor Milo because he was living the good life and training. I don't know exactly what they allude to because he's driving a boat with women on it. And it says, for with athletic success comes financial good fortune, dot, 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 and assorted other fringe benefits. Other fringe benefits, like these ladies on the boat. Yeah, but then he he got a ton of headaches. So I was just like, I I kind of wondered in through this, of so are we supposed to, like, alleged, is this implying that he was also, to achieve that, um, was steroids or something like that. And it's having like a backfire. Like what's causing like the headaches. See, I think for you, and this is where we can kind of do a little bit of a compare and contrast between this and the animated series episode. I think that is you being exposed to the episode. And I was too first. Right. But mm-hmm. I think, I think that's sort of the imprint of the episode where Anthony uh, Romulus in the episode 
um, was going after his, he wanted to, I think it wasn't the Olympics. It was like the autumn games or something like Mm -hmm. that. And he was looking for a a better competitive edge. Steroids would be too tricky to be caught. So he was looking for this goes and gets the Milo gives him the, the, the formula or whatever, right. Potion in this, it seems to be saying the headaches began because he was suffering from lycanthropy or, you know, werewolfism. Mm -hmm. Um, And Milo kind of walks you through like, you know, you see some people with a lot of hand hair and very furry eyebrows and a heavy beard. That's how it shows up for them. Your case is actually more advanced in these, your lycanthropy, the only way to solve that is to kind of like push it all the way through to its final form. Um, So I, I didn't get the impression that this guy was on the juice in the animated series. It feels like in general, their Anthony is the less sympathetic character because he's looking out to cheat, you know, in his profession and it is being a little bit underhanded. I just thought this guy was suffering from something and was trying to go around looking for doctors to help him fix it. Not that he was on the juice. So I've been inceptioned. Yes, I think so. Okay. Yes. And I yeah, don't even you, remember it. I just, yeah, you've I just got assume animated episode within the comic, within the dream. And then the spinner just keeps spinning. So, okay. I mean, that, that fits, that works for me. Which um, I think, I think is a little bit where in the animated series, it's a little bit more of, I don't want to say cheesy, but a little bit more of your on the nose, bad guys are bad. Good guys are good. You mm-hmm. know, quick 22 minute animated show and in the the comic book it's a little bit more gray this guy's a little bit more sympathetic he didn't yeah exactly yes he's less he's a little less deserving of his precarious situation he's looking for he's looking for help basically these headaches and nobody's got an answer until he gets to mr bullcut in which how he even said that milo's potions and brews tasted no less foul than those of his predecessors but they were more effective but then he like it ramped up the lycanthropy yeah. into where like more and more. And he's going back to him of, like, I need a cure because it's getting worse. And what does he say as all old school classic villains even say of, I want you to murder someone for me. Mm. I want you to kill the Batman. Right. Ba-ba-bum. So then as you do, you go to Bruce Wayne and you're like, hey, can you get me to meet up with the Batman? Yeah, and, yeah. And Bruce and, and, is like, sure. <laughs> and a little bit of the hokiest part of of this, and I think you know, Len Wein's a great, great writer and, and wrote the animated series episode as well. Yeah. But in this, it's pretty clunky, where it's like, hey, uh, Anthony. Um, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting. What is it in the book? Lupus. Anthony Lup- Lupus in the book just so happens because he's a top tier athlete and very wealthy is pals with Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne, of course, is, you know, a guy that works out and is very wealthy. And this older out of shape. Dude. And this who was replaced <laughs> with like a young, attractive fit woman in the animated series. Right. Um, like they just happen to be at the gym together and not intentionally. Anthony's talking about, oh, yeah, I want to meet Batman and give him this big donation check because I'm looking for a tax loophole. Oh, the evil rich looking for their Ah, loopholes, right? They're always trying to save a buck. Um, And then Bruce Wayne's just like, oh, what a useful bit of information I've stumbled across Mm -hmm. being that I am Batman and would like to help charity. Sure, let's do it up. And he says, I as they leave, I think he'll find you next Mm -hmm. page and not too much later. Who? 
the Batman, says Lupus. Afternoon, Mr. Lupus. I hear you have something for me. Because that's not suspicious yeah. at all. <laughs> my close uh, personal friend who also happens to have my exact same build, jawline, yeah. and voice. <laughs> you know, like, and everybody knows I'm a creature of the night. But here we are in the afternoon. Here's, hey, sir, here I am. It sure you know what, though? Ween and Adams are like, we don't have time to no. really flesh this out. Like not we what need we're doing wolf. here. Yeah, we, we got to get to the wolf. In the which, meat of the story is Batman punching werewolves. Yeah. Not tax so, evasion. Tax <laughs> Wait, and then it, I think eventually, like, DC understood that there's just such a great idea there with tax evasion and stories. And so really started to flesh that stuff out. Like, let's make this a focal point. Right. You know? Um, yeah, it's a different label. DC yeah. colon IRS. Yeah. <laughs> it's the villain IRS. Yeah. There you go. In the comedy, it's spelled IRS. But anyways, story progresses. Lupus again turns into a werewolf. He attacks Professor Milo in which uh, in this, I mean, the assumption is to me in this comic by itself, uh, you know, that Milo died. Mm, It's kind of implied that way. But if you look in DC history, Milo, of course, pops up in later comic books. So I guess that's not, you can believe it if you want, if you want to self-contain it. Batman, meanwhile, was passed out in Lupus's um, penthouse and then chained, basically getting served up to the werewolf at the end. And there's a big thunderstorm, lightning storm showdown between the bat and the wolf in which it's at a construction site. Uh, we'll come back and touch on some of these moments. I'm just getting through and Batman throws this, this metal rod through him. In which then lightning strikes and the wolf falls, disappears, evaporates. Disappears. Maybe only the rod is left, mm-hmm. in which is like, hmm. And then there's a quick little epilogue in which you see that Lupus is with the Alaskan wolves, that the timber wolves, Minnesota. Oh my oh gosh! Oh my gosh! It's all connected. The timber wolves, which was alluded to earlier in the story by Gordon, that there were some timber wolves stolen from the Gotham Zoo. Right. Uh, so in every on the three nights of the cold full moon, it is said the wolf pack still runs thicker by one. And that one has the shape of a man. Of a man. Bum, bum, bum. So okay. 20 page story. Um, it it moves right along. I think that it is. Okay, so also in comparing the two, in which this is an audio only, but I'm gonna I'm gonna show you Garrett, um, so that you can tell the people that I was not a liar. Sure. That there's there isn't much difference, surprisingly, even with the coloring. So I know that you were recently uh, Chris Clow. I don't know. I haven't gotten to listen to it on the comic bench. You were on the comic bench with the professor yeah. himself. Chris yeah. Clow. He has a much better haircut than Milo. Oh, um, he does. But I think he might have talked about like re-releasing of reprints and coloring being completely different. And he even com- compared and contrasted of like in the in an original Batman comic, he was blue and in a reprint or collected edition or something, he, it was gray. I don't know if that was mentioned on the binge or if you just tweeted that out. Um, so a little, a a little bit of both. A little bit of okay. both. Yep. And that one is actually a bigger one. So that one is. New 52 in a flashback story when the when the book came out, it, the flashback had Batman in his new 52 costume still when mm-hmm. it was collected and reprinted. They swapped it out to the 70s kind of Neil Adams style costume. Gotcha. And Paul Herman, also of the binge, of course, um, had a panel from Man of Steel 
where you could almost everything was if it looked almost like it had been re-inked the textures looked different the colors were totally changed so yeah but that with that was a topic gotcha. of conversation okay um there's just two instances that i see where it's noticeable and one is in the construction fight at the end of the wolf i don't it's kind of too dark here it's almost yeah. a little bit of like a reddish brown yeah in which where in the neil adams book it's just like a flat out brown sure i don't know yeah i'm trying to show you to see if it even i can see it yep a little bit and then there's also when batman saves the woman um out of the building the sky in the neil adams version is definitely blue it's just mm-hmm. a, a regular blue background whereas in the len ween collection stand by this is riveting radio da, 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 da. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't know why I'm doing that theme. It's like got a like a purple, like a purple to it. So oh, not yeah. drastic, oh, yeah. but I mean, just the smallest of change, which doesn't necessarily impact, but it does make me wonder of more. Give me like the look of like the an original issue and coloring. I do love the pages. So it's a glossy version print in the Len Wein collection. It's more of like a thick construction paper for the Neil Adams collection. Um, those are like the only coloring differences that I see in the entire <clears throat> issue between the two. So that's good. I do think that Adams's art is, <clears throat> I mean, I can't say anything that hasn't been said before. I think it's strikingly awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> like, um, it is for amazing. a monster story like this, yeah. this is like, I know I already said it, but like, this is Batman in the universal monsters age completely. Yeah. I almost wish that this would have just been an Elseworlds story and instead it did take place in the like in the time of the Wolfman. Like I forget which which exactly like decade in the 1800s that's supposed to take place or whatever but cuz I think that Adams could have done some really awesome stuff at the time with Batman like that setting of a werewolf story. Yeah, it, I mean the art is fantastic. I think besides just drawing a heck of a werewolf Adams is I mean, no one else was doing sort of anatomy in the way Adams was like, yeah, it's it's comic realism, but it's mm-hmm. still very realistic from the musculature to the body movements. Um, there's so much Neil Adams, I think, in early to mid 90s like image books, like even to how he draws a number of the female characters here with their profile, mm-hmm. like it, like J Scott Campbell kind of feels like there's some of that. And I mean, there's just like those sort that gen 13 storyline feels like the, 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 um, the female characters feel like Neil Adams characters just push 20 years further mm-hmm. on. They're not, Neil wasn't quite as voluptuous or, you know, sexualized as some of that image stuff got, but it just feels so fresh and so modern compared to other things that were being drawn in the seventies. And that's why you yeah. know, Neil is Neil and has the reputation and the career that he's had. Um, but the fight scenes are fantastic. It's everything you would want from this storyline, right? Like there's a little bit of clunky, how do we get there in the story, but it yeah. knows this, it knows what it wants to be. It wants to be, you know, Batman slugging it out with this were- werewolf meeting a challenge that can challenge him back and then what happens there? It's 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 a beautifully drawn book. Absolutely. And I think it's something that it took me because I haven't actually read this issue in a while. And I'm really glad that I love like most pretty much. It's like all the books that people choose to talk about. 
And then sometimes it is refreshing when it, especially when it's been like the spooky months, because it is just one issue. Cause I have enough time that I can read it two or three times. Yeah. Which, which makes it really nice. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can read this over and over before recording. And it did. It's been a while since I've read this one. And one, let's see, page one, two, three, four, the layouts for when Batman swoops and gets the, uh, the woman saves the woman. And it took me a second to try and figure to understand like the, the placement of it. It's like he drew one massive panel swooping like batman swoops down because he even says oh batarang slowed us down enough to save us and they're falling so high that he grabs her and then gets like the batarang to for the you know the bat rope whatever swoops down and gets her and then you can see that what we what's covered up then by two large panels is swinging with her back up to land on top of a building right and i just i really love that whole page and because it makes it feel like there's a lot of movement in a still image yeah it's really it's really fluid um and then and then getting her back down like Mm -hmm. uh, like around the main panels on the page is batman bringing her back down from the roof right like so you sort of see this movement on the prior page of werewolf throws woman out window batman dives out window batman uh reaches out to woman through the window falling to the ground battering up they swoop up you see them land on the roof but then it's also like he's bringing her back down if you look at it too so you sort of get this whole like out of the window up to the roof down from the roof to the ground lay here safely away we go i just i it's i mean and i really wish i hadn't put my bat cave companion uh away because there, you know, there's a massive interview, Michael Cronenberg, which he was on here to talk about it, that, that he had with Neil Adams. I think Adams talked about like this and this era and stuff. And he, this, that's like a great example of uh, doing something that most others were not. Right. Like there's a lot of very standard. Oh yeah. It's a panel on a page hero standing. Oh, look at, yep. He punched, he said hero. I need to save her. Next panel is I saved her. And this definitely just feels like, you're seeing it even though you're not necessarily seeing it you're seeing every frame of the save right yeah that era of comic books was uh you know really sort of classic for your panels are a series of still shots as if someone Mm -hmm. took a a camera and just snapped photos of characters in poses and then and then you know fit those like okay so this this panel needs to be this so stand still and pose like this and then maybe we'll introduce some speed lines or whatever Mm -hmm. Adams did so much fluid movement um, and some really, really unique for the time um, panel placement and planning. So where you mentioned earlier, the scene where Batman is in Commissioner Gordon's office, they're having a conversation and he's looking out the window and he sees the full moon. Yeah, that's not in your sort of a lot of this isn't, but that that page in particular isn't in your sort of standard boxed out panels and mm-hmm. you see little snapshots, you have overlays on top of pictures where the reader, you naturally understand that this is the next panel. But when you look at the way it's drawn, it is, it's overlays of moments on top of other moments that lead to a really fluid visual eye following the storytelling. And it's not broken up 
in a traditional way. We might be used to that more today. And actually, I think now we're starting to see more of this callback to the nine panel grids and stuff like artists are kind of getting back into the retro thing. But in in the 70s, this was like groundbreaking, wild stuff, right? He is really advancing the medium. You know, I think you are a bit of a professor yourself. No, a student of Professor Cloud. That was very astute. That's that's fine. Great, uh, great points too, because I mean, for that page that you're just talking about Batman with, with the moon. And it's like, also you turn in two pages later is Milo is that centerpiece of the entire story, which should be kind of broken up into one, two, three, four, five, six panels. But instead there is no direct, like, Oh yeah, this is the clear boxed panel for Mm -hmm. each, each portion. So it is like the layouts. Yeah. The layouts are different than I think the standard at the time. And I think, yeah, absolutely applaud Adams of and how much say, because at this point, I mean, according to like, you know, these, the Neil Adams illustrated or the Batman illustrated stuff, it's like this issue. Yeah. This, this followed in this book, Joker's five way revenge. So that must mean Batman 252, 253, 254 were not illustrated by Neil Adams. Um, so this is kind of after he'd done the big Denny O'Neill run and everything. So I think at this point it had to be like Adams, you know, he, King Adams at this time right. that he had a say in how layouts and, and all that stuff would be. So I like, I applaud. He had like, he had the, he had the balls. Oh yeah. No, like, the, the, I'm the doing page, it this way. It's going to be different and impactful. And he the, nailed it. The page you're talking about, at least in, in the digital is page eight. Um, in the layering on of sort of Milo as the narrator center page, main focus of your eye in the rest of the panels. Cause they're not traditional grid panels they are sort of swooped in where their memories, the edges yeah. are rounded, the current, the modern, the, the time that the story is taking place that is not back in the memory is squared off. The rest of it is memory. And the panel design is, is a little bit more like, cloudy or swooping yes. right like the fog of memory like it it is genius from a design standpoint and mm-hmm. um it's you know if you want to if you want to say that's professorial if i can be a student of claw i'll take that as a badge of honor <laughs> the one place reading this book it's funny that you bring up claw in in um the comic bilge thing i did um because one of the topics we got into claw's not a fan of thought balloons and um I, I kind of like them because you don't see them very often. So I enjoy when I'm back into a, a back issue that has them. I think in this book in particular, it was an effective use of thought balloons, which were the standard for the time and now are not mm-hmm. um, of conveying information. But this, this actually does a nice job of using um, kind of first person narration through Milo as, as he is sort of talking about the transition Um of, of his interaction with Anthony as well as Batman using the thought balloons early on in the story. And then later in the story, when he is in the midst of battle with a werewolf, because this werewolf, you know, from everything we see is not a creature of great um, vocabulary might, right. It's not. So Batman is having this conversation for the benefit of the reader through a thought balloon. You could do that with a third person narrator. I like getting in the mind of the hero a bit more. So that was kind of fun to go back and, and get a little bit of that from a nice seventies comic book as well. Yeah. Well said <clears throat> the vial, uh, a few pages later. So this is after we see, um, 
yeah, just a couple pages later. As Anthony is meeting with Milo, and you know, and he's when Milo says, I want you to murder someone for me, you want you to kill the Batman. And it is you see Anthony's reflection into in the vial. I think that's really cool. A cool, distorted, exactly as you'd imagine, uh, reflection of somebody, you know, with glass or you know, a liquid or something like that, which like that's a little bit of a standout for me. Right. I was gonna comment that Batman in Gordon's office, it's just one page. That had such an animated series vibe to me. Totally. Which had a, you know, people watching it then had a 70s Batman vibe to them. So it's like, it's full circle. Um, but I definitely thought of that, of like how him just appearing in his office in the in the shadows and stuff is great. And it's great because I think, you know, I said earlier, I just sort of kept reading in the on the digital, you know, on, mm-hmm. on DCU, uh, I... And it's when you go back and see, you know, 50s Commissioner Gordon and how differently depicted he was over the years. It's really when we get into this run in in Neil's impact on not just Batman, but the the um, the sort of cast of characters around Batman is felt Mm -hmm. because this Gordon is kind of what became Gordon ever since. Right. Like to varying different degrees. But when if you were to, again, watch the animated series first and go back and read this, you could the familiarity isn't just there with the storyline. It's like, oh, yeah, that that feels like what that animated series Gordon would look like in a comic book, too. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's the his his fingerprints are deep, deep, deep all over the character in the in the assorted uh, supporting characters around him. I'm trying to see like, I don't necessarily have. Well, okay, since we're, I mean, we're still talking about like with the art and stuff. I think the the showdown at the end is awesome. I think the, how he does the rain is great. Uh, the lightning, like all those images. I think the, the fight between the two is long enough. Doesn't overstay its welcome, but I don't feel uh, shortchanged either. I think it's just really cool visuals. And that's kind of all that I was really asking for. Yeah, it's, it's. It's quick, it's punchy, you know, it's the interaction. It doesn't wear out its welcome, right? So it's not mm-hmm. just a slugfest. Batman's using his wits to say, hey, I'm on the ground. I'm not a match for this beast. But what if I, you know, climb up and, and uh, you know, slink around in the shadows on top of a building? What can I do up there? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's more to it than just punch, punch, kick, kick, bar through the chest. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's not, it's not overly... Today, this would be... The second issue would be front to back that whole fight, you know, everything. This would probably be a three-part story and the fight would be the third issue, you know, yeah. the whole issue long. This was nice. It didn't overstay its welcome, um, which is hard to do. Batman fighting werewolves. I mean, come on. But yeah. it is, it's snappy, which is fun. It would maybe be, oh my gosh, Batman is Lupus's blood got into Batman and Batman's a werewolf now. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Bat- for wolf. sure. Yeah, jump the shark. Yep. Um, I don't think so. I don't have anything negative to say about the story uh, from Wayne's perspective because it is it's a pretty what you expect is what you get. So like in in that, I'm glad that there wasn't any. I don't want to say there wasn't ambition. That's not the right phrasing, but there there wasn't striving of like, let's do something that no one's ever done before and really try to, I don't know, something that's really too far-fetched because you're already with something a little far-fetched. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's just give what we're promising, give what we're selling. 
Yeah, it, they and know what so, it is. Exactly. So I'm I'm completely fine with that. I really do like the fact that we was able to write the animated series episode as well. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that kind of does it for me. Unless there's something else you really want to touch on. The star no. of it is Adams's art. Absolutely. And it looks Absolutely. great. Absolutely. And you know what? I actually I actually prefer this more good natured tragic circumstance not a cheat and also handsome like that's another thing (laughs) that the animated series changed like anthony uh romulus is not the the handsome cat that that anthony lupus is like anthony lupus i mean that's like a hunk right that's a handsome good good looking dude with that doesn't seem (laughs) like he's he has evil intent so of course when they make him more of the you know cartoony bad guy he's got to have a very evil, intimidating unibrow and yes. you know, a little bit sharper, angrier features in the whole. I deal. mean, the rest, as soon as you bring in the unibrow, the rest is irrelevant. It's like, oh, man, come oh, evil. Yeah, that's an evil yeah. dude for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I also don't always need. I don't always need sympathy for my villains. Um, sometimes it's like, just give me a villain. And, it's, give me yeah, a bad guy. So it's fine. That's a way to differentiate the two a little bit more. And yeah, definitely, as we already said, we both said this, he's sympathetic in, in the comic book and not so much in the cartoon. And that does help a little bit better with the story and leaves that whole, the story's resolved, but it's not completely finished, I guess, right. because it can go on in your head because now he's in Alaska. Yeah. And this um, poor guy is still out there suffering from werewolfism and who mm-hmm. knows when he could be a threat again, uh, even though he doesn't want to. Like there's more in a cartoon, in a you know, in a cartoon aimed at younger viewers, you don't necessarily need um, that kind of gray matter in the story. Mm-hmm. In the comic book, it, I think it works well. This isn't I mean, not to say this is like a big thought provoking, you know, very cerebral story. It's still Batman punching werewolf. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of nice that like, hey, in your mind, it can it can go on and there's more there's more tension than just Batman punch werewolf. Yes. Um, did you happen to listen to Bad Moon Rising while reading this? No, I listened. Oh, I okay. actually I actually listened to uh, the Batman score while I read this. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. That score ha- fits ha- Halloween. You know, it's right there. Yeah. You can't find City Halloween. Anyways, yeah. Garrett. Let's hop into some favorites. Absolutely. What was your favorite part of Moon of the Wolf? Uh, my favorite part was Batman in Commissioner Gordon's office. I thought ah. it was just so much fun okay. um, because the interaction was great. It was kind of fun to see. Now, I do like Batman being the smartest person in the room, but I've said it on this show. I've said it on my show or Bill's show, however you want to phrase that. Uh, I don't like Bat God. I don't like when Batman has everything all figured out and he's got a plan for the plan for the plan. And he instantly has assessed every situation and solved every problem. So I thought it was nice to get Batman partnering with Commissioner Gordon to review what's up, review different information kind of work through the thing and come to this conclusion in the animated series. He does that with uh, Alfred a bit as well. Um, But I really like that interaction because I love the partnership. And I think the, well, I'll wait, I'll wait on that because I've going to have a very similar answer for your next question that I know is coming. Okay. I think my favorite part is, is the opening. Yeah. 
I do just kind of like the Batman spots the monster creeping up the side of the building. I think that's a cool opening visual. And inset of that is two close-ups of the victim and the the predator. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't like the dog dies. R.I.P. Ralph. But or maybe he's just paralyzed and he can have a happy but you know less abled life. Who knows? I like that. Let's, yeah. let's go with that that route. So I mean, line. it is just it is just a nice quick tease of you know Batman of what's to come of Batman versus the werewolf. So, I mean, I do like that. And by that, I mean, it ends with the swooping saving of the woman because that that image itself is also really, really great. So, yeah, the opening for me. Uh, Garrett, my next question that you think I'm going to ask, we'll see mm-hmm. if it's true. Uh, boxers <laughs> or briefs? Oh, uh, boxer briefs. I like to split the difference. Okay. Um, how about a favorite panel of Moon of the Wolf? Yeah, I talked about it already. Um, it's 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 in Batman in Commissioner Gordon's office. Batman's looking out the window. You know, Gordon is sort of walking around, looking at the file, head in the other direction. So I think this is probably technically two panels, but it's the bottom third of the page. These two panels sure. sort of overlap with Batman as the central figure and the smaller panel to the right looking out the window. I just thought the overlay and the continuing of from one panel to the other, but pulling Batman more into the foreground to focus on him and his big realization of maybe this isn't a mask. I just thought it was a beautifully drawn uh, panel or two panels merged together. If I'm going to cheat, if I wasn't going to do that, it'd be the full page with Milo in the middle recounting the history of, of the interactions with Anthony, but I'm going to go with Batman because it's a Batman show. I think that that, I mean, that's a good, that's almost got a little, Man, I almost feel like a little Leparo Batman. Yeah, yeah. Him looking out the window to that. Like that is a really good shadowed, um, shadowed yep. Batman. Yeah, mine. All this the the shading and the use of light with the big bright uh, full moon out the window. Mm-hmm. Of course, we see the other side of Batman's face because who doesn't want to draw Batman draped in a silhouette? It's just sure. fantastic. It is. Mine comes towards the end when uh, at the construction fight. When the werewolf lunges at Batman, yeah, and that's that that's a, a great uh, horror image. There, his the the lightning strikes. He's a little in shadow, but he's also you can see, and his eyes are all white, and the fangs are there, and you think Batman's so screwed, and then somehow headbutts him backwards. Yeah, uh, don't care. He's Batman. He finds a way. He's flexible um, and very yes. strong. That yes. that panel was also in the running for me, Lauer, as, nice. as was the panel that just precedes it on the previous page, where you see the, the back of the werewolf is to the viewer. You see just hulked out back with back hair everywhere and Batman's, you know, stand, standing mm-hmm. his ground, ready to take on this assault. He's the true hero that he is. He's I can't pick scared. one, so I just cheat and mention a bunch of my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. Uh, and then finally... Uh, we all know if you're listening to this, we all know that there is an animated adaptation of this comic book. Um, I think we've kind of said it. How do you feel about the, that episode? Oh, I love it. It's a great one. Um, because yep. this was a short little read, I actually read it, watched the episode, and then I read it again. And it was kind of fun to go back and forth. Um, if, if you were to ask me, would I like to see an animated version of it? I would love to do what you said earlier and get a, you know, maybe an 80 minute animated series of mm. Batman in the 1850s or whenever the story is supposed to take place and do a period piece. And, uh, you know, it really, really drain this thing for everything it's worth. I think that could be really fun. Um, there is an Elseworlds story. You are aware of it. It's called Castle of the Bat. Yeah. 
Um, Frankenstein esque, yes, right? That's a Frankenstein esque. Yes, they should definitely do something like that and make it completely werewolf. Dude, we they could awesome. do they could do uh, four movies set in the 1800s, focused on classic Universal monster movies. Monsterverse. Batman, Dracula, Batman, mm. you know, Frankenstein, Batman, werewolf, whatever. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, my pal, Garrett Greb, do you have any final thoughts? No, everybody should read this. And uh, in, <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. No, everybody should read this. Bye. Everybody should read this because uh, <laughs> it's fun and it's great for this time of year. Yes. And if you are a fan that's gotten into Batman, you know, more recently, maybe, you, you know, you're a big fan of the new 52 Snyder stuff. And that's where you spend most of your time. Go back and check this stuff out. I think you'll be amazed at how um, modern and fresh this era of Batman is, whether it's Neil doing the art, whether it's Aparo, I was doing the art like the, like a little bit later, but. There is such great work where I think sometimes in the year of our Lord 2022, some readers of current comic books can look back and say, uh, stuff from back then was just kind of cheesy and the art wasn't very good yet. Nah, man, there's some stuff in the 70s that'll knock your socks I was gonna off. Say, Check it out. Maybe you're talking the 50s and the 60s, but yeah, the 70s is where you need to need to go. It's, uh, it's where sign- things really changed. I co-sign everything that you just said. If you haven't read it, even though if you've watched the cartoon, go back and, and read the comic. It's very easy to find basically anywhere you want to look for comics. You should be able to find it in some. The Luther College Library in Decorah, Iowa had it. Yeah, I bet take you a field trip. Yeah. Go there and, and, you'll, and you'll see it. And you'll be able to read the same copy that one Garrett Grav <laughs> also read. Like, is uh, this nacho cheese Dorito dust on these pages? Where did this come from? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, look at that. A Minnesota Vikings bookmark, right? Right in the middle of, the, of <laughs> yeah. it. Very nice. Who to thunk. Garrett, thank you for coming back to the show and helping me kick off this spooky month. Uh, it's my favorite time of year. It is. Happy to be I love here. It. So thank you. I appreciate it. And you'll be back again in the future as long as we remain friends. So universe, oh, yeah. don't screw that up. Yeah. And if you want, Laura, I had an idea just because okay. every time I, I hear the intro to your show, I get a kick out of the nerdy subjects we all like to frolic about. Okay. Mm-hmm all your Halloween guests, we should film videos of us like frolicking through a graveyard, holding <laughs> our copies and you can intercut them for a promo video for spooky month. Let me check the budget. Yeah. Um, I'll get back to you. On that. I don't know Everything where the closest United graveyard United is. Fall. I don't generally visit them, but I bet I could find one or just yeah. like maybe a spooky looking forest. We can create one. Yeah. All we need is just a small space in the woods, grass, some cardboard cutouts for headstones. Away Done. we go. I like it. We're just Fantastic. frolicking. Frolicking. <laughs> Uh, would you like to plug away and anything? And uh, sure. Sure. Why not? It's football season. If you like me talking about Batman, maybe you'd like me talking about football. Yeah. Uh, you can check me out at the Dynasty Dads podcast, which I co-host with my friend Matt Renshaw. Uh, easiest way to find us is just over on Twitter at Dynasty Dads. If you like talking Batman, you don't like the football so much, or maybe you like both, but you just like some extra Batman. Uh, check out the Batman on Film podcast, uh, which I host um and there's a bunch of other great episodes uh, of various incarnations of uh, batman and film podcasts that are on that same feed so you get all of it in one nice little spot if you just want to hear me or read my thoughts on i don't know various subjects i cyber bullied rg3 this week i don't feel good about that i do but i have to pretend that i don't because i'm minnesota nice uh you can follow me over on twitter i am at garrett wato that is at g-a-r-r-e-t-w-a-t-o and uh you know i'm a chatty guy you can come chat with me that'd be fun skull skull uh, 
as for the Batman Book Club, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for uh, upcoming episodes. Like what else is coming and when with this spooky month on the feed? Make sure you go to YouTube and subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel where I am on the road to no man's land with this guy we keep talking about, Peter Arvera. Videos are there. More upcoming videos are in are, uh, on the docket. So pay attention to that if you can. If you want to support the show, a variety of ways you can do it. Number one is, like I said, at the top of the show, patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Number two, if you want to support some Batman Book Club merchandise, tpublic.com. But lastly, if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend any money at all, that's 100% A-OK. Just rate and review the show wherever you listen to it, whatever podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, anything, just rate and review the show because the more reviews the show gets, the more helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So for the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolf himself, Garrett, oh. I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, we panic, guys. Yeah.